Good morning. So, um, if I haven't met you, um, <clears throat> my name is Kyle. I have the blessing and the privilege of being the pastor here, and um, I'm, I'm very thankful that you are here. And I want to start out with sharing a story. Um, <clears throat> if, you, if you've gotten to know me or if you <clears throat> continue to get to know me, you know, one thing that I really enjoy are stories, especially stories where myself or somebody I'm close to have done something that is not so bright. And I have a lot of them. This one happens. I was, I was in college, and I was helping my old youth pastor and another adult leader. We were going on a trip to Anderson University. And we were going to Anderson University. There was a youth conference there. And so they're like, we're going to take this young college kid. He's on fire for God. Let's bring him along. And we're going to just uh, talk to students about prayer. And I was like, a free road trip? I don't pay for food, gas, or lodging? Sign me up, right? So we jump in this car, and we're heading on down, and we pull off to get some lunch, and then we're getting back onto the highway to go to Anderson University after lunch. And as we're going, uh, we, we started just to, we, we get on the on-ramp, and, and for me, I'm sitting in the back, and I'm like, Something just seems weird. Like, I'm sitting in this back of the Subaru Outback. That's what we were driving at the time. And I'm like, man, you know, things are just weird. Like, we're in a different state. Maybe it's just the state. Like, things are different, right? And then as I'm driving, I start noticing different things. Like, all of the signs are just a bright, shiny silver rather than colors with words on them. And the lines on the road are different colors than what I think they should be. I thought that was universal. And then there was all these big white and red signs with a big old circle and a line through the middle that says, wrong way. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I don't know if we're going the right way on the ramp. <laughs> and we sure, not kidding you, discovered we are going the wrong way on an exit ramp from the highway. Right. And so we quickly, you know, he, the youth pastor of mine throws it in reverse, and we're going as navigating it in, a re, in reverse is interesting, by the way, right? And we finally get off, and we're pulling off and everything, and I'm like, man, like, you guys were my spiritual leaders. You were leading me down to a path of certain destruction, right? Totally joking. I love them. I'm still good friends with them. But there was this moment where we realized something we realized that we were going the wrong way. We thought the path we were on, though, was going to get us to our destination. We thought certainly this road, this path that we were on was getting us to the place where we were heading. But if we would have continued on that road, we would have never made it to our destination because we were going the wrong way. We do this in life all the time, though, right? We do this all the time. How many times do we try to take a shortcut, and, and as we're going on this shortcut, it just leads to a dead end right before our destination? You can literally see exactly where you want to go, but you can't get there because it's blocked. It's a dead end. I mean, how many times have we been trying to go even a different route in winter? Oh, I thought winter was over, by the way. And then how many times as we're driving during winter and, and you're driving and you're like, oh, why is nobody in this other lane? And you get over and then 
The next thing you know, it is full of potholes. And you're like, what? this is why nobody's in this lane, right? It's a bad route. It's a bad way. There's even moments where we believe that we know what's best for ourselves, that we, our way is the right way, that our way is the best way. And it leads to a place where we fail rather than experience success. We do this physically, but we do it spiritually. We do this spiritually just as much as well. Today, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're, we're in this series where we're looking at Jesus in his own words of who he is. We're going to be looking at a statement that Jesus makes. That when Jesus says it, not only then, but also today, is so radical and countercultural. That there really is only one way to the Father and into his presence. And it's through his son, Jesus. That if we want to enter into that, Jesus is very clear, there is only one way. And so we're about to dive into the text. I want to give you a moment real quick. I got a few other things I'm going to go into real quick before I get into the text. But if you have your Bible with you, this is give you a moment. Turn, uh, would you just turn to John 14? That's where we're going to be. So even if you have a light-up Bible, a.k.a. a phone, you can pull that out. John 14. See, Jesus says these words in John 14. This is what we're going to look at. And he is, he is very, very specific here. That he is the only way. And, and there is a truth. Like a lot of times in our culture right now, kind of like what Sarah said, is like there's a lot of cultural things going on where like, no, you get to define whatever you want and who you want. Like, but I don't believe that's the way of Jesus. I don't believe that there's the way of Jesus that is outside of him and, and his path. He's very clear that there is no other way besides through him. And so in John 14, verses 5 through 7, if you have it, if you still need a little bit of time, just say, hold up. Nobody. Look at you guys. That either means y'all are really quick with your Bibles or y'all just didn't even turn to it and you're going to wait for me. That's fine too, Right? So this is what it says, picking up in verse 5. He's, he's having this conversation with his disciples, and he's, he's talking about he's about to leave. And then this is what it says, Thomas, doubting Thomas. He gets a bad rap, but this is what it says in verse 5. Thomas says, no, we won't know the way, Lord. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come on. Come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. So from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Jesus has this conversation with Thomas, who has an incredible amount of doubt. And he's like, how are we going to know the way? And Jesus very clearly says, I am the way. I'm not just the way, but I'm the truth and the life. Our culture, though, would say, how is Jesus the only way? That seems rather narrow. How is Jesus the only way? There has to be more other, like, multiple other options, right? No, 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 no. Listen, his claims are very exclusive here. Jesus is very, very straight to the point. He's very exclusive. He is the only way. 
There's not option B, C, or D. It is only Jesus, option A, period. And it's not one of the ways he, he says, he doesn't even just say like, oh, I might know a way. He says, I am the way. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. This personal, intimate, raw, authentic relationship with Jesus. That's how you get to the Father. It's not you have to go and do all of this to get to the Father. Jesus is saying, you want to get to the Father? You want to know more intimately the Father? I am the way. Me. Just me. Uh, there used to be all these trendy Christian shirts, right? Like, it's not a religion, bro. It's a relationship, right? And if I wanted, like, I don't have that shirt. Um, you know, other, otherwise I would have, actually I wouldn't have worn it either. But, um, but it, it's not so much just this religion. He's really saying, like, all these things that you thought you had to check off, I'm, I'm putting it down to the reality of, like, it's me. It's me. I'm the one. That's how you get to the Father. Jesus in his gospel is the most exclusive, inclusive news we can ever hear and ever know. It's the most exclusive, inclusive news we can ever hear. And a lot of us will hear that statement and think, how can you be exclusive and inclusive at the same time? I'm about to tell you, okay? It's the most exclusive, inclusive news that we could ever hear. And he's very clear. It's not that he's saying, like, the way is just any route, any way you want to. He says, nope, it's a relationship and a journey with him. It's a journey with Christ. And the truth is not changeable. The truth for me cannot be different from the truth from you or from you or from you. The truth is unchangeable. The truth is eternal. And, and the life is not found in this world. The life is found in him and only him. He's very clear about it. If you look, again, look a little deeper even into this text. I am, I am. This would be one of the most powerful names of God. I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. It's not a way to live your truth, your life, and your way. He says, I am the way. I define it. And he points to the way and the only way, which is through him. And here's where it gets controversial sometimes. Jesus says this in John 14, a few chapters later, do we understand what happens? A few chapters later, he, he sits at a table with his closest friends and he acknowledges the biggest elephant in the room ever, that one of you is gonna betray me. Shortly after that, he's, he's kneeling in the garden And his friends are totally passed out asleep. And he's, he's betrayed by a kiss. He's tortured, he's beaten, he's hung on a cross, he's, he's dead. Do we understand that as Jesus says these words, he fully understands what's about to happen. And yet he says in boldness and confidence, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But my way is deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. I don't like that way sometimes. 
I don't like the idea of having to die to myself. Do you know how hard I work to get the accomplishment sometimes? Right? We don't like to die to ourselves, but Jesus says, this is my way. Pick up your cross. The truth amidst standing in the, the face of the lies of the world. He's a blasphemer. He can't be the Messiah. He's being accused of all these different things. And yet he stands upon his eternal truth that I am who I am. And I'm the life. It's only through his death and resurrection that we experience full eternal life. Do we understand that his way and the truth that he, he not only shares, but he lives and the life he offers is, is very radical and countercultural than how we would have gone about this. We understand that, right? Like if I was God the Father, could there have been another way besides killing my son? We think to ourselves like, I would have done it differently. It's probably a good thing we're not God, right? Because we would have messed the whole thing up. And he's very clear that without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no actually living. He's not mincing his words. He's not shy about it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way you must follow. I am the truth in, what's in which you must believe. I am the life for which you must hope for. He's laying out the Father's plan. He's laying it right on the table for his closest buddies, his disciples, and even all of us. And when we look at it, we're like, how about another way? Right? How about a different way? Because that way looks painful. He's laying it all out. And then he goes on to even say even more, not only that he is the way, the truth, and life, but then he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. He's totally and radically shifting mindsets. He's, he's putting away and setting aside the religious views of coming to God through the temple. And now he's saying, no, 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 no. Like, I'm doing it. It's me. It's me. It's always been me. And it's through all these other, we have this idea of through other religions and, or there's another way possible. No, no, no. There's no other way. It's just through me. It's exclusive. He's very exclusive about it, right? There's, it, it's the most exclusive, inclusive thing to know and experience. It's exclusive that it's only through him. It's only through him. That's a very exclusive statement. But it's inclusive because it's anybody who puts their faith and their trust in Jesus as their Savior. He's exclusive. He says, you can't get to the Father unless you go through me. But he says, but I'm inviting you into a relationship so you can get to the Father, and it's through me. I'm exclusive, but I'm inclusive. And he's, he's not ashamed or nervous to say it. Because when we know him, we know the Father. And Jesus is all about, all about modeling what that means. He models the radical love and the invite to the Father to just come. Through me, just come. Just come home. And maybe there's some of us who would say like, 
How do I believe a, a man who makes this bold claim about himself? This is full of bold claims. But there's no other text known to man that has been more true than this text. That has come and been fulfilled more than this text. There's no other man that has said and done what Jesus has done. How do we believe this man who makes his bold claim about himself? Well, you just look at the evidence. Just go on and look at the evidence. He makes radical claims about himself. And over and over and over again, it comes to pass that he is not only just telling the truth, but he models it. Over and over and over again. We have this hard time, I think, with thinking like, well, that's such a narrow viewpoint though, Kyle. Like, Jesus is the only way. Tim Keller, uh, this is what he says, it is no more narrow to claim that one religion is right than to claim that one way to think about all religions, namely saying that all are equal, is right. It's not any more narrow to say, for Jesus to say, I am the only way, than for somebody to say, well, all religions lead to heaven. You choose what fits you best. You make it up as you go. They're the same. Like, this is not narrow. This is a very exclusive, inclusive invitation for each and every one of us. That the way of Jesus is not any old route that we get to decide. No, no, no. It's a relationship and a journey with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship and a journey. I don't know if you've ever tried hiking sometimes. It's a lot more fun to go hiking with people than yourself, at least for me, right? I actually like hiking with my wife. We, we recently, a few years ago, took a trip down to Hawking Hills with our boys. This is before we had our two girls. We actually enjoyed hiking with our boys, and I didn't even lose them. <laughs> like, that's pretty good. We were going through caves, and if you've ever gone hiking with, like, at the time, I think they were maybe, like, two and three, there were moments where, Dad, I'm tired. Dad, can we go back and sit in the hot tub? No, bro, we're going to go swim in the waterfall 2.5 miles away. <laughs> Dad, can I have more goldfish? No, dude, I got goldfish down my back from carrying you, and the bag is now all down my shirt. <laughs> but it was a blast. It really was. It's not a route that we get to decide. He says, it's a, it's a relationship with me, and if you are in a relationship with me, I will show you my way. It's not a truth that we get to change according to what we feel on that day or how we want to view it that day. It's a, it's a truth that is eternal. It's a truth that was, that is, and will always be. And, and it's a life that is, is not found in this world. It's a radical and it's a different life. And it's a life that's offered through his death and his resurrection. It's because Jesus in his gospel is the most exclusive, inclusive news we can ever hear and ever know. And the claim, this claim of Christ would be affirmed. Later on, go on and look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Here we have it. Peter and John are standing before the council. And look at exactly what he says here. 
There is salvation in no one else. No one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved except through Jesus Christ. It's affirmed by Peter in the early church. It's declaring, Peter here is declaring, Jesus is the only way, he is the only truth, he is the only life. That it's through Jesus and only Jesus that we can be saved. Saved. Last summer, uh, we, have, we go up to my in-law's cottage during the summer. It's right on a lake there, and so we have two little boys, and we were like, maybe it's time for our boys to get in some swim lessons. That seems like a smart thing to do, right? You're by a lake. It's probably a good idea for my boys to know how to swim. And so uh, Courtney's friends and everybody, they were all talking, all of her and her girlfriends, and they're like, yeah, I'm thinking about putting my, my kids through swim lessons. And they're all like, yeah, that'd be great. What if we all put them in the same class? And so one of Courtney's girlfriend's cousins is a swim instructor. And they're like, oh, we'll just do it at this pool. And all of us parents can get there. We'll bring snacks for us while they're doing swim lessons. We'll hang out, eat snacks, and watch our kids struggle. And I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> and so here we are watching our kids, you know, and I, I still remember it, right? Like it was, it was Monday through Friday. And I'm like, man, this is going to be entertaining, you know? Um, because there's like no life jackets. It's like, get in the pool, and then we're going to start swimming. And so the first few days, you know, they're a little hesitant. They're trying to figure it out, you know. And, and we, got, we got my main man, you know, Kenny Lamar over here in his bathing suit, and his hair is just soaking wet, and he's just loving life, right? And then you get my dude, Cashton, over here. And Cashton, every single night, I'm not getting in that water. Bro, you got to get in the water to learn to swim. No, I'll just do it right here on the edge. I'm like, no, you got to get in the water to learn how to swim. You don't learn how to swim on dry, right? You got to get wet, bro. And he's like, I ain't going, Dad. And then it was like, I'm joking. I'm joking. I set him on the stairs, okay? And so we're watching the swim lesson go, and, and as the week goes on, they begin to get confident. You can see it starting, right? And they're learning. And you're like, yeah, that's my dude. Like, come on, man, kick, kick. I've never screamed so loud in the backyard of my life, right? I'm screaming at my little dudes like, kick, scoop, no, scoop, harder. And the teacher's like, Kyle, I got it. I'm like, yeah, my bad. We're paying you. I know, my bad. I'll just sit over here. And so after every swim lesson, Kenny's favorite part of the night, They'd get done with their swim lesson, and guess where he got to go? The hot tub. <laughs> like, my man Kenny has zero body fat. So the dude was cold all the time, right? And he's in the hot tub, and he's loving life, and he's like, Dad, why don't we do swim lessons in the hot tub? I was like, that's not what the hot tub's for, bro. <laughs> and at the end of the week, we're getting ready to go, and I remember sitting, watching them, and Kenny gets done with the last thing, because it was always hey, once we're done with this, you get to go in the hot tub. When the instructor said, this is the last thing, all you have to do is swim from this side to that side, and then you get to go in the hot tub, Kenny was the first one to volunteer. <laughs> He's like, I get to spend the most time in the hot tub then. I'm it. So he does the swim. We're all excited. He gets out, gets in the hot tub. 
All the other kids get done. They join them in the hot tub. We're like, all right, bud, it's time to go. Daddy's got a softball game. We got to get to, you know? And so I'm sitting there. We're like, all right, man, like, let's go. And I have Ari on my lap. And Kenny gets out of the hot tub. And I love Kenny because he's unpredictable. And he goes like this, Dad, check this out. And launches himself back into the pool, into the eight-foot deep end. The instructor's already in her car. All the other parents are standing around getting their kids ready, drying off the towels. And I'm watching in slow motion my little dude launch in the air. He jumped pretty far right into the middle of the pool. And he comes up. And in the moment, he forgot everything he learned that week. And I'm sitting there. And all I thought to myself, Kenny's in the water. But I got a softball game, so I can't get wet. (laughs) I got my phone in my pocket. I got my keys. I got my new baseball hat on. I'm not jumping in. I got Ari on my lap, y'all. Like, what am I going to do with her, right? And Courtney's like, no. But without missing a beat, there's another one of my buddies who launches into the water, grabs Kenny, brings him to the side, and as he gets out, he pulls out his phone, his wallet, his keys, and I'm like, man, I'm glad you're here. You know what I'm saying? But it was in that moment, right? In the moment where Kenny is in the deep end, in the deep of it all, struggling to to find his way, struggling to find the side of the pool, struggling to keep his little mouth above the water, flailing all over the place. Not one of us stood up and said, hey, Ken, 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 remember, scoop and kick. Ken, remember, just, just this, just this. I didn't, I didn't get a manual and toss it to him in the water. Somebody jumped in. When Kenny was not able to save himself, somebody else had to. If you go to a pool, a lifeguard doesn't tell you when you are drowning, hey, hey. Hey, look at me. Calm down, calm down. Just look at me and focus. Take a deep breath and just scoop and kick. That's not what lifeguards do. When somebody is drowning, the lifeguard leaves where they are at, usually up above on a tower, and they jump in. They don't give you a manual. They don't tell you, remember what you've been told. They get in with no hesitation. We cannot save ourselves spiritually, but we need a savior who will jump into the middle of our deep water and save all, baby. We need a savior who will leave the highest point possible, his throne in heaven, to get into the deep of it all in us so that we will be pulled out. That's our God. That's his way. 
He left everything to come into the water, to come into the mess of it all, to pick us up when we were gasping for air, when we don't know where to turn, we can't find the side of life, and he grabs us and he rescues us. We need a savior that shows us the way, shows us the eternal truth, and gives us eternal life in and only through him. Why? Because the goal of the gospel, the goal of the good news is never to affirm us, celebrate you, or empower you to do whatever you want. The goal of the gospel is to rescue you, it's to transform you, and to empower you. Empower you to walk in obedience with God's way, his truth, and his life, which is set forth through the Son, Jesus Christ. And that's a that's a, a hard truth, but a good news truth for a broken world that we live in. So as we close today, as Josh comes up, and I just have a, two more thoughts maybe. We need a Savior. And our world is trying to point us every which way to save yourself live this way, do whatever you want, but the way of Christ is exclusive that he is, he says, this is the only way. It's only through me. And how this world would see God's way is radically different and radically counter to what we believe in. The world sees the way of Jesus as this craziness. You want to live that way? That's nuts. No, just do whatever you want. Make yourself happy. Like, that's good. But Jesus says, I am the way. I'm inviting you into a relationship, a personal relationship. I know you by name. I don't shame you. I'm not guilt tripping you on anything. I know you intimately and personally by name. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I personally know you. And you want to experience life while life comes through me. You want to get to the Father, go through me. Because I am the only way. Jesus' invite has always been, come and see. His invite has always been, come. I love that about him. It doesn't matter how many times we've ran or how far we've ran, he is still chasing us saying, just come. Come, come and see, come and experience. But the question that all of us wrestle with, consciously or unconsciously, the question that we all wrestle with is do we actually believe the words of Jesus to be true for me in my life? I mean, this is, this is great words and stuff, and I believe it to be true for you, but I mean, for me? Like if Jesus only knew who I was and what I've done, he wouldn't say those words to me, Kyle. If Jesus only knew who I used to be, or if Jesus only knew, Jesus does. And yet his invite is still, come. I'm right here, come. Do we believe the words to be true for me, that, that his way is the ultimate best way? Do I believe that to be true, that he is the only truth in my life? Do I believe that to be true? Do I believe it to be true that I can experience true and radical life in him? I don't know where you're at this morning. I have no idea. 
Maybe you walked in this morning and your life is falling apart. Nothing's going right. Everywhere you turn, it feels like a broken, broken way. Maybe you're at your last straw. Maybe you've given up hope. And your world seems dark and grim. And you're just searching for the way. The good news is that Jesus' invite is for you today, this morning. That if you've never put your hope or your trust or your faith in Jesus Christ, that you can do that today. That if you acknowledge him to, as God, that he left heaven, that he came here and he lived, and then he died for your sins and mine. And he was in the tomb for three days and that he rose again so that we can have eternal life in him. If you put your trust in him, and if you've never done that today, can I just share, I would love the opportunity to pray with you this morning. If you have questions about this Jesus, I would love the opportunity to talk with you about him this morning. There might be some of us who have walked in faith for as long as we can remember. But maybe recently we've been feeling more distant than we've ever been before. His invite is still the same. Jess, just come. The good news is that he doesn't get sick of us. He doesn't desire to lose us in the woods. He just over and over and over again, he says, come. Come to me. And so maybe you feel distant this morning. You need to rededicate your life back to him. I'd love to pray with you in that. Or maybe you're incredibly nervous about, about taking this step. Will this radically change my life? Is everything, can I just share like, it will radically change your life for everything that you can't even begin to imagine. Because his love is so good, even in the hard times. Can I just invite you to close your eyes? I know for many of us, we get nervous with, with some of this stuff. But I, I truly believe that, that we're invited into postures and positions and places where God wants us to, to, to take a, a step. And for some of us today, our step is going to be possibly to place our trust and our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. And in a moment, I'm going to just say a prayer and I'm going to invite you, if that's you today, to pray that prayer. And I'd love to just be able to celebrate with you. We believe that this is a moment where when somebody moves from being lost to being found, when God meets them exactly where they're at and brings them back into the sheepfold, that there is a moment where the, the heavens rejoice. And I don't know about you, but I, I begin to picture angels singing songs of praise. When God begins to move mightily and meets people exactly where they're at in their brokenness and says, I have the answer for you. It is me. It's always been me. So I'm just going to ask that today, maybe this is you this morning, that you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus for the first time, or maybe for the hundred and one time, that you need to rededicate your life. All you have to do is just simply just acknowledge that you are broken and you are a sinner and that you need the Savior to come. That you acknowledge that he died for your sins on the cross and rose again.
And I would just love, and I know this is where it gets nervous for some of us. If that's you this morning, could you just slip up your hand? I would love the opportunity to just pray over you. And I mean this, nobody's looking, nobody's trying to, to, to see where you're at or anything. I just want to know so that I can pray for you. Moving that God is doing something that we believe that God is moving in stern. Maybe you're online and you just need to comment in like, that's me. Send us a message, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you are here. We acknowledge that you are doing something new, something fresh. And so God, I just ask that right now in this moment that you would just do what only you can do. And let's transform our lives. That you would meet us in the brokenness. That as we're gasping for air, as what it seems like we're just treading water in our lives. That you would reach down, that you would jump in the water with us. That you would hold us up. And that you would just simply whisper in our ear, I've got you. I, I always have. God, let us hear your whisper again. Let us see you move in our lives. God, for those of us who are just placing our trust in you for the first time, Lord, I just ask that you would begin to just rest your spirit upon them. I ask that you would just move in dynamic ways, that they would experience you this coming week in fresh ways, that they would know that today is it marked a, a pivotal mark, a, a pivotal landmark maybe for them in their faith journey. That they would truly believe that you came you lived and you died and you rose again three days later so that we can experience not just life, but the fullness of life that you offer. And Lord, if we've rededicated our lives today, Lord, I ask that you would just draw us near, that we would find your presence in, in our reading of scripture, that we would find your presence in, in nature, that we would find your presence sitting around a dinner table. God, just reveal your heart to us. Lord, I just ask that as we come to you that you would just continue to stir, continue to speak, continue to do what only you can do. Meet us exactly where we're at, Lord. And bring us to a place where we just experience the fullness of you in your throne room, Lord. We're so thankful for you being a God who desires to get messy with us. And you're not scared. We're so thankful that you love us radically. A love that we can't even begin to explain or comprehend. We're thankful for you, Lord gratitude, our thankfulness, can I even begin, can I even begin to sum up who you are? So God, we just bow before you. We worship you. We praise in your name. Amen.